This is Due South. I'm Leonita Inge. If you were listening to the radio or watching television on the afternoon of August 28th, you probably remember this moment at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. This is the CBS Evening News. In a massive show of force, police at the University of North Carolina swarmed the campus. The alert went out, first of a person armed and dangerous, and then... The gunshot victim is going to be in room 159. I'm grieved to report that one of our faculty members um, was killed in this shooting. In the hours after Professor Zijie Yin was fatally shot, the campus was on lockdown for several hours before the suspect was apprehended and the community given the all-clear. In those hours, there was fear, of course, and confusion, and also just disbelief. I knew it could happen, but, like, even when we got the alert, it's like, no, that's not happening here. There's no way. Like, even when we were watching the news, and it's obviously here, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's here. I feel like I'm watching another world or something. That's There's no way. We didn't really know how to cope about it because, like, we, we got the emails saying, like, there's counseling and, like, things we can do, but really, like, with ourselves, like, we don't know how we're going to, like, really feel about it and having only one day to really figure things out and then going back to school like it's really fast. Those were the voices of UNC students Kaylin Brock and Brooklyn Matthews recorded the day after the shooting and the community was still in mourning when just two weeks later another report of an armed and dangerous person triggered a second lockdown. Here's UNC assistant teaching professor Nicole Berland. They've been here less than a month, and they've had two lockdowns, and it has really interrupted their education. Um, And I I feel bad for them because this is not what college was like when I was in college, and now it's what college is like for them. When that second lockdown happened in September, UNC clinical psychology graduate student Joe Friedman already had a study up and running about the mental health impact of the August shooting and lockdown, a study called the UNC Coping Study. He knew from experience what it's like to try and cope. He was in his office when the shooting happened. I think my response was very similar to what most people were, were thinking at the time, which was just sort of shock and dis- disbelief that something like this could happen on UNC's campus. Joe Friedman joins me along with Jonathan Abramowitz, professor in the Department of Psychology and Neuroscience at UNC Chapel Hill. We'll talk about the impact of these incidents on the campus community and the results of their study so far. Joe started by telling me what prompted him to come up with the idea for the study. I realized that a lot of my colleagues were responding to what happened in very different ways. Um, I noticed that for many people, their first reaction was, when can we return to normalcy and when can we get back to work to distract ourselves from what happened? And I noticed that there was another group where um, just coming back to campus at all felt like it was going to evoke a lot of painful memories. Really, probably... You know, after incidents like this, I've heard people actually drop out of school. You know, they leave. They're like, we don't, I don't want to be there anymore. So you decided that um, it's time to, you know, this is right up your alley, actually. This is in your field of study. And you said it's time to at least try to document this to find 
out, you know, what is going on in people's heads and in their minds and their bodies and their actions. So I guess some, you know, you've gotten some results. Um, um, how many, how many people responded to it so far and, um, and some of the findings? We've been very grateful to have just about 300 um, members of the community, including students and faculty and staff. Um, and really what we found has been uh, pretty staggering. Uh, we found that uh, about one in five members of our community have reported clinically significant symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, not only that, that number jumps to one in four when we just focus on the students on campus. Uh, yet we see that two-thirds of the community uh, say that they haven't sought any support or psychological services for uh, either of the lockdowns. Um, those, those findings are a bit concerning, uh, to say the least, because we do want people to uh, get better and to, to eventually move on from these events and live a happy and healthy life that doesn't involve constant memories of what happened. However, we do have to keep in mind that our sample may have been a little bit biased since uh, individuals who were very close to the events and were more affected by it may have been more inclined to fill it out. Mm. Well, this is Due South. I'm Leonita Inge, and I'm talking with Professor Jonathan Abramowitz and doctoral student Joe Friedman, both of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And we're talking about uh, a recent study on campus um, called UNC Coping Study, and it's really about two recent traumatic incidents that occurred on campus. So, um, Joe, you're telling me about just being really kind of concerned <laughs> about the findings so far. Yes. Uh, it's, it's concerning to hear that there are so many members of our community who are experiencing this differently than um, maybe what would be considered the healthy range of coping with, with something as stressful or traumatic as this. Um, and what else, what was also concerning about this is the fact that um, it's clearly not affecting everyone equally. We're seeing that students are reporting more severe symptoms than faculty and staff members. Um, plus, we're seeing that those who identify with a racial or ethnic minority group and women are reporting more se severe symptoms on average. And this is just highlights how important it is that we have accessible and student-focused counseling and psychological services on campus. Wow, does that surprise you, Jonathan? It almost makes me think about not too long ago when there were these bomb threats being called in at historically black colleges and universities, literally across the South, even at North Carolina Central University, and Durham was on that list. And um, when you mention, you know, gender... And race, you know, it, it just makes me think, you know, what comes next in trying to make sure people are definitely, especially these young folks, more comfortable on the, in school? Yeah, I mean, is, is it surprising? It's not entirely uh, surprising. Just to um, kind of give a broader overview, we know that when these kinds of events happen, that uh, the majority of folks are going to, you know, given some time that they're going to respond uh, okay, they're going to be able to, you know, kind of put a context around it and see this kind of an event as the exception rather than the rule. But then you, you're you going to have people who have a tougher time doing that, maybe because they 
They get into a pattern of avoidance, so they never have a chance to kind of get back into the swing of things. Maybe they have some pre-existing ways of thinking about the world, thinking about themselves, and that might be where we can intervene, particularly with um, people from marginalized communities, uh, women. They have different, maybe different ways of thinking about uh, their ability to cope, and some of those are are probably socialized, unfortunately. And Joe, what else do you hope to... um find and analyze? And is this going to be a project that's ongoing? Are you still accepting um, participants in this study? Yes. So we've actually closed out uh, recruitment now. So we're not recruiting anybody new right now. But what we're actually planning on doing over the next several months is to follow up with the folks who have responded uh, to see how their post-traumatic stress symptoms are changing. And uh, we're ultimately hoping to find out um, who is more likely to to be in need of psychological services following an event like this, and also how we can better help these people. Um, so we want to know how are they coping, um, have their beliefs about themselves and the world changed, or also how how close were they to how it how close were they to where it happened, and um, how do those factors all play into how they're doing six months a year down the road. I know it takes usually a long time to get studies like this even approved. Was this like a rush job? Did the university just say, oh, you got it? I think we got, uh, we were very fortunate uh, to have the support of uh, the university and our IRB. And um, we had so many different departments collaborating with us on this just to, to make sure that we were able to get the survey to as many eyes as possible. And I wonder... And this may be an unfair question to ask, but I wonder if universities all across the country, you know, are doing things like this because of the, the, the times we live in and incidents that have happened so close to home for, you know, many communities, many college communities. There are um, other places where similar research goes on, uh, folks looking at the impact of these kinds of events, the short term, the long term predictors of, you know, who recovers easily, who has more difficulty. And unfortunately, there are, you know, lots of opportunities to do these kinds of studies. And I hope you continue this, this work, um, because I think it's, it's needed, definitely. Any other big surprises that you found, something that really, you know, st- you know startled, surprised you, Joe, um, even thinking about your own experience? Um, you were on campus when it happened, and now you're studying it. Right. Um, I, I just want to add that I, during the second lockdown, um, the day of that lockdown, I was sitting outside by myself, um, actually coincidentally working on the study. And in my periphery, I saw some people running and I brushed it off and thought to myself, that's just my mind playing tricks on me. It couldn't be happening again. It, it couldn't be happening again. And I quickly realized everybody knew something I didn't know. And they were all running the same direction um, and yelling. And so that was my cue that it was happening again. And I just started running with them. Um, it was a very stressful time uh, spending, spending my afternoon with a group of people that I had never met before. And I think that's highlighted in our results when we found that three quarters of our sample had to some extent feared for their life or felt like they were going to be seriously injured. Um, so you know, luckily for, for most members of our campus, um, they, they came out uninjured. Um, but I think the, I think the, the trauma and stress of what happened is going to stay with people for a long time. 
I do too. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm Joe Friedman, a doctoral student in clinical psychology at UNC. Thanks for being brave enough to even start a study like this. And also a big thank you to Jonathan Abramowitz, professor in the Department of Psychology and Neuroscience at UNC Chapel Hill. And thanks for putting together this UNC coping study. I look forward to finding out more about the results of this. So thank you very much. You bet. We look forward to it also. Thank you, Leonina. If you were impacted by these incidents and need resources, call the Psychological Services Clinic on campus at 919-962-6906. Thank you to WUNC's Liz Schlimmer and Brianna Atkinson for their help with this story. I'm Leonida Inge. This is Due South on WUNC.